The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino. We are going to be breaking this week's podcast down into two different segments. One we recorded ahead of time uh, with myself and co-host Jamie D'Amico talking about the culture uh, at One Bills Drive, specifically relating to the news about Chris Brown, the Buffalo Bills reporter, being suspended for violating league rules on what reporters can and cannot cover. There is a lot to talk about regarding uh, the, the culture and what is taking place outside of the football operations. And Jamie and I talked a little bit about that, uh, given the news again about Chris Brown being suspended and the marketing team stepping away from their jobs uh, less than three weeks before the start of the football season. But I'd be remiss if we didn't offer at least our initial thoughts. Uh, Jamie is off this weekend for the Labor Day weekend, but at least I wanted to give you my thoughts on the 53-man roster uh, that was released Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. We talked quite a bit about this last week in the podcast. And, you know, unlike in years past where the Buffalo Bills really – might have had a couple of top players and top talent, but mostly was a bottom-heavy roster that wasn't competing for playoff berths and didn't have a lot of desirable talent that other teams in the league might want to cherry-pick. This year's squad is different. General Manager Brandon Bean has really assembled top-to-bottom a quality roster uh, that is expected to compete for the AFC East Championship for the first time since the 1995 season, they're expected to make the playoffs for the third time in four years. And when that happens, a lot of credit must be given to Bean for assembling a roster that is ready to compete and ready to win and really is devoid of major holes uh, that we've seen, uh, unlike past Bill squads. And so, you know, this year, look, a lot of the players that were cut, there weren't a ton of surprises. Um, I think that for any Bills fan out there, Probably the biggest surprise was the keeping of Trent Murphy and his $7.3 million contract on the defensive line. You know, the, the common thought process was that Buffalo was going to part ways with the veteran in part to roll over money uh, to bring back Matt Milano, the weak side linebacker who is deserving of a contract extension. And I really thought that that was the route the Bills were going to go, especially when you look 
at who they ended up keeping. While it's clear that Murphy can contribute to the defensive line, the pieces were in place where I just didn't think his presence was needed this year. When you consider all the talent that Buffalo has on the D-line, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Ed Oliver, Quinton Jefferson can play both the DE and the D-tackle position. Uh, Vernon Butler was brought in this offseason. Daryl Johnson is a nice developmental prospect who brings quite a bit of physicality uh, to the line. They draft A.J. Epineza. I didn't really think there was a place for Trent Murphy on the 2020 Buffalo Bills roster. But what this move signifies to me, even though teams are looking at potentially upwards of a 20 to $22 million cap reduction for next year in 2021, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean don't care uh, about 2021 right now. They're not doing all of their decisions poised with an eye on the future. They're focused on winning winning now they know there's a window they know the patriots are vulnerable they know the afc east and the afc in general can be had this talented roster is ready to compete and ready to win and win playoff games and make a deep run in the playoffs that's why they're keeping murphy his more than seven million dollar salary cap figure is a big one to swallow but they're going for it they're putting all their chips in the middle of the table and saying this is it we are going to go for everything this year and we feel that trent murphy is somebody who can really help our team you know reach the promised land and to murphy's credit he's only 29 he played really well uh the last month of the season last year he had a ton of pressures and hurries on deshaun watson in the playoff a loss. And I think he's, he can definitely add a lot to this defense. The the thing is though, what is this going to mean for Matt Milano's contract extension with there being a reduced cap number in 2021? We of course can get to that topic on a future podcast, but the bills decided that getting anywhere between 30 to 40% of the snaps on defense for Trent Murphy is worth paying $7.3 million on the cap figure. So The Bills kept Trent Murphy. He, I feel, was the biggest of the surprises uh, to still be on the roster. You can make an argument that Delshawn Phillips, the linebacker who basically nobody was talking about, uh, is another surprise candidate. But I don't think his uh, inclusion is anywhere near the surprise to me and most Bills fans as Trent Murphy uh, was still being on the roster. But Delshawn Phillips came over, was a practice squad guy last year. He has the ability to contribute on special teams. Um, I'm surprised that Phillips made the roster only in the fact of whose spot he took. And in my opinion, he took Andre Smith's spot. The, uh, the player that the bills traded a seventh round conditional draft pick in the 2023 draft uh, to acquire, but the bills saw enough in Andre Smith to give up a future draft pick. And then they turn around and cut him in favor of keeping Phillips. Uh, Phillips is a special teams contributor from everything you read. Uh, on the internet, and there's been a lot of stories out there talking about these positional players who made the roster and why certain players made the roster. Delshawn Phillips has some athleticism, and it's something that athleticism that really is appealing to Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, and that's why they're keeping him around. I can't argue with it because I don't know too much about what Phillips's uh, background and pedigree is, but I know that the Bills deemed enough talent on him uh, as far as keeping him on the roster. So that was another one of those surprises. Uh, For me, another surprise of the quarterback spot is that Jake Fromm beat out Davis Webb for the third quarterback position. I all along thought the Bills were going to keep three quarterbacks on this roster. I still think they could bring four. I think that they could easily bring back Davis Webb and have him on the practice squad. 
I just didn't think that Jake Fromm had shown enough uh, during this unusual offseason of no preseason games, I didn't think that Fromm had shown enough with his uh, his abilities to merit having that third quarterback spot. And we all know that if Josh Allen, if anything happens to him, the Bills are in deep trouble if Matt Barkley has to come in and uh, and see extended action on the field. If anything happens to Matt Barkley and Jake Fromm comes into the lineup, Oh, good God, everything. This goes from a dream scenario season to a nightmare scenario season. But the Bills must see enough in Jake Fromm to merit keeping him on the roster over somebody like Davis Webb, who has been a part of this team for more than a year. He knows the playbook very well. He's got a stronger arm than Jake Fromm does. But despite all of what I just mentioned, the Bills decided that Fromm, the fifth round pick out of Georgia, is the way to go instead of Davis Webb. I don't agree with the move. I thought that Webb was going to make the roster and not Jacob Fromm, but that's where we are. Jake Fromm is going to be the third string quarterback. Again, I really hope that Davis Webb gets retained on the practice squad if they're able to push him through. Um, He's not someone that I think is going to draw a lot of attention, having already been cut by the Giants and the New York Jets uh, during his young tenure. And who knows, maybe behind the scenes, some teammates lobbied to the Bills brass that Fromm has made a lot of progress uh, in eradicating some of the memories from those racist text messages that came out during the offseason. But they must like enough about the intangibles that Fromm brings to the table. And maybe they thought they couldn't sneak him through the waivers, uh, which I think they can do with Davis Webb, which is why they ended up keeping Jake Fromm instead of Davis Webb as a third quarterback. Uh, Another surprise to me, Um, I'm not surprised that Andre Roberts got cut. We talked a lot about Andre Roberts being a return specialist and what he brings to the table for the return game. Um, But when you think about it, Andre Roberts really only touches the ball roughly four times a game. If you factor in kickoff returns, punt returns, and the amount of touchbacks on the kickoffs and fair catches on the punts. So to assume that he was a lock to make the roster, I thought looking back in retrospect was kind of a mistake. And what's going to happen, the Bills did cut uh, both returner Andre Roberts and uh, safety Dean Marlowe uh, from the team. All indications are that both of those players who have more than four years experience in the league, they are free to sign with any team they feel like. And uh, the word on the street is that the Bills are going to bring back both Andre Roberts and Dean Marlowe. In fact, the team did this last year with Marlowe, so it's not like it's a new exercise for them to bring back uh, the valuable member of the secondary. Uh, he's a valuable guy. Dean Marlowe is. He knows the system. He's a really good, you know, when he needs to plug and play, he's not your outstanding guy uh, who's going to step in and be a starter, you know, right away at the safety level. However, he does have enough versatility where he can play a couple different positions on the field and the bills feel comfortable that he again is going to come back um, later on, on Sunday. The news is that Roberts and Marlowe will be, brought back to Buffalo. So those are kind of the biggest surprises to me of the players who were cut. Isaiah McKenzie, I'm actually glad the Bills kept him. I think if it came down to Roberts or McKenzie, given what I said earlier about the number of touches that Roberts gets per game, uh, McKenzie has more value on those jet sweeps and as a speedy receiver. Heck, if the Bills don't bring back Roberts, McKenzie could always step in and fill some of the return duties uh, that Andre Roberts picked up. But to me, those are kind of the biggest surprises. Defensive end Trent Murphy making the roster. Linebacker Delshawn Phillips making the roster. Quarterback Jake Fromm making the roster. And then the surprise cuts being Andre Roberts, uh, Dean Marlowe, and Evan Bame. I'm kind of surprised 
that uh, that Bain got cut given his versatility. I thought that he would have stuck around more so than a Brian Winters who has really not had a good training camp and only plays one position, the right guard spot. Uh, but Bain got cut. Ryan Bates was kept instead for that uh, versatility on the offensive line along with Ike Botker. So the Bills have made their final 53-man roster um, lineup news. That's going to change quite a bit between when this podcast airs and uh, the season starting next Sunday with the Jets because the Bills are constantly looking to fine-tune the bottom of their roster. And you can, of course, come back here to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, to get our thoughts on any of the players who come in to fill those bottom spots. Who makes a 16-person practice squad? Can the Bills push Duke Williams through one more time to the practice squad. I know a lot of Bills fans are a huge fan of the tall receiver Duke Williams, who is tantalizing with his talent and just has not quite put it all together on the field as of yet. But that recaps our thoughts on the 53 man roster. Other than that, there really weren't a ton of surprises. My boy Vincent Taylor did also not make it on the defensive line. He was cut, but the Bills have a lot of players who can step up and fill in on the D-line, and maybe Vincent Taylor is also a practice squad addition. But again, that will wrap up our thoughts on the 53-man roster. I would love to hear your thoughts on the surprise cuts, the surprise roster inclusions by getting involved with our podcast on social media. You can find me at John Boccasino. Uh, Jamie D'Amico, who was not part of the first part of our podcast but will join us for the second half, would love your feedback as well on the roster. His Twitter is at the Jamie D'Amico. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now we are going to seamlessly transition into the environment at One Bills Drive, the football side of things being excluded. We're talking about Pagula Sports and Entertainment and what is taking place with both Bills team reporter Chris Brown being suspended for violating uh, team rules relating to what teams can and cannot divulge uh, what their reporters can and cannot divulge about the practice sessions and who is practicing where uh, and with what units. So we'll talk about Chris Brown's suspension, the marketing team quitting abruptly three weeks before the start of the season, and what exactly we think is going on behind the scenes at Pagula Sports and Entertainment. So Jamie, what was your first reaction when you heard the news that Chris Brown, who is the longtime Buffalo Bills multimedia reporter, he hosts One Bills Live, he covers the Buffalo Bills for buffalobills.com. What was your initial reaction to the news that Brown has been suspended by the team for violating the new rules surrounding training camp? To get suspended for that, um, that couldn't have been his first violation to result in a suspension could could it have been you know i don't think i don't think it can be i mean you know and and it's got so for for people that don't know what we're what we're talking about chris brown the official buffalo bills team reporter he's called himself you know bills insider he's worked for the bills for forever um he was suspended after basically getting egged on by steve tasker to talk about you know, who was practicing with what units, what the defensive line rotation looked like, where AJ Epinesa 
uh, was fitting in with the rotation. And then he was talking about the offensive line positional battles and who's practicing where. And part of the new rules that was agreed upon by the NFL and the Players Association was that you couldn't share information about a number of things from practice, including snap counts and with which units people are working out uh, in their practices. So Chris Brown violated this and he got suspended. And you're right, Jamie. I don't think this was the first time that Chris um, had a misstep. It's got to be so foreign, though, for a guy like Chris who has covered this team for so long. And, you know, part of me is like, look, I love Steve Tasker, but I think he's partly to blame, too, because, you know, he's got to know the rules and he's basically asking follow up questions that only gets Brownie in deeper and uh, deeper trouble. That was 100% my perspective on it, which is why does Steve Tasker appear to get off scot-free? They should at least release a statement saying Steve was out of line too. Um, Or maybe, and we have read the articles about how low the morale is, you know, down at Pagula Sports and Entertainment. Maybe, maybe they are being this heavy handed because they really don't know how to run an organization. And that's exactly what it sounds like with the entire marketing department leaving. Now, I've heard, you know, it's like, well, it's only three people. Is that a department? Well, yeah, it is. It it is a department. It's not a it's you know, it's not a 5000 person enterprise. That's that's a bunch of people all at once to leave. So is the is is the business side of things being run that poorly that they would just look at Chris Brown and be like, you screwed up, get out of here for two weeks or however long it's going to be. I hope not. I think, and I think Jamie, you you hit the nail on the head though. This is really uh, emblematic of a larger problem at one bill's drive. Yeah. 18 days before the season begins, your entire marketing team quits. And whether you believe in the power and the value of marketing, you know, the bills don't need any help in selling their product, but it sure does the team a lot of good when you've got marketing experts who can come up with the catchy slogans each year and come up with the promotional ideas and, and get people excited about this team and to have them just up and walk away so close to the season. There's something bigger. There's something beneath the surface. Um, I fully believe the, the piece that the athletic ran talking about the low morale at one bills drive and the system of nepotism uh, where the Pagulas hire people that, they know and they trust from their relationships more so than promoting, you know, inside people or people who have a, a grasp on the skill sets. And this, this, this just to me, Jamie, the toxic culture that's permeating at One Bill's Drive, the reports are it affects every aspect of the operations except for football. Now, some fans don't give two shits about whether the marketing department quits as long as the Bills are winning football games. And that's true. But it can't help but trickle over to other aspects of the business when you've got such bad morale issues. That's 100% true. And as a marketing professional myself, I see the need for a marketing department. But I think that article in The Athletic that you're referencing was very telling. Specifically, one story that was told by an, an employee who remained anonymous. That anonymous employee said that, the number one goal in the slide deck presented by Kim Pagula was their goal was to maintain the family's lifestyle. That meant that they were going to have 
They were going to have layoffs in order for the family to go on their next vacation to Tahiti, as the person said in the article. That's a crippling and and powerful uh, indictment on, again, the culture, because how how are you supposed to work hard and, 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 and really bring it every single day if you know that at the end of the day, all they care about is maintaining their lifestyle and maintaining their wealth? And to, look, I, I will forever be grateful to the Pagulas for buying yes. the bills forever. They have earned that level of gratitude because if they didn't come in, you could have had Bon Jovi and Donald Trump buying the team, but the bills could have moved. They could have left Western New York and the Pagulas came in on the white horse, saving the franchise, and they had the established credit for buying the Sabres. The Sabres have been a shit show since they bought them, and at least the bills have made the playoffs two out of three years. But it just makes you wonder, Jamie, there's one leak. Okay, I understand. A couple of staff members being malcontents. I get that. The wide, but the widespread level of discontent that was expressed again sure. in that athletic article, I don't know. It to me, there's definitely fire when I'm seeing smoke like that. I yes, absolutely. Now, I I don't have you know I I'm not on the inside, and I don't have a problem with uh, the Pagulas. And as a matter of fact, Kim Pagula and I grew up in the same neighborhood in Fairport, New York. Um, I have cousins that grew up in that neighborhood too, that were classmates of hers. Um, and you know, reports going back, uh, is that she's a perfectly affable person. However, it seems like what's consistent here, and I hate to name names, but Terry Pagula has run multiple multi-million dollar enterprises, namely his uh, natural gas business, you would think that he knows how to run an organization, that he was able to build himself up to being a billionaire. I feel like the common thread here is Kim Pagula is the president. Kim Pagula is the president of the Bills, of Pagula Sports and Entertainment, and the Buffalo Sabres. Huh. You put two and two together, it does not paint a very rosy picture. And I don't know. I mean, the Kim Pagula has a lot of value that she seems to bring to the franchise. She's on a lot of the, you know, diversity and inclusion initiatives. And I'm all for getting, you know, knowledgeable women in those positions of power um, to make those decisions. You know, the, the thing that you have to keep in mind with any sports franchise is it is more than a business. It's something that the community really dives into and feels a sense of ownership of. So you can't operate it. It doesn't function as a typical business because there's so much um, community pride and involvement with, and the community involvement is in the form of fandom. So you really have a, a, a tremendous fiduciary responsibility to the fans and to the public in general, because you're now representing a, a city and a region. So you can't just lay people off so you can go on vacation. As uh, again, to point back to that article from The Athletic. So, um, you know, it, it seems like that may be getting lost with how the, the Sabres and the Buffalo Bills are run. Now, the Bills seem to be going down the right path. The Sabres absolutely have not. So does that mean that they just got lucky and cut lightning, caught lightning in a bottle when they hired Sean McDermott, who had a very good feel for how to build an organization? Are they looking for the same thing on the Sabres side? 
Now, I don't know enough about the Sabres, but it sounds like they're chasing their tail. And that's going to carry over because there's a lot of there's a lot of communication that goes on within employees in the sports community. I had an internship with the Rochester Red Wings uh, for like three consecutive years. And I'll tell you what, the Rochester Red Wings and the Rochester Americans, the Americs, those employees talk to each other constantly. And, you know, there's there's a, a lot of best practices being shared, but at the same time, there's a lot of frustrations. So I'm sure the Bill's employees are hearing what the Sabres employees are saying and also feeling some of that. And especially when it comes to being in the same side of the house, the same organization like the Sabres and Bills being run by Pagula Sports and Entertainment, the Amherst and Red Wings have different parent companies that were operating them. But there was still, and I'm with you, Jamie, I'm a former Red Wings intern myself. It was one of the greatest jobs I ever held. Yeah, man, I worked there. uh, I was with Nick Sharada. I worked, uh, did a lot of uh, game day reporting. I did some website work. I was there when uh, Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau uh, were there. uh, Maurer was doing his rehab from his injury with the Twins, and Morneau was a hotshot prospect making his way up to the bigs. And, you know, I got to cover Francisco Liriano nearly tossing a no hitter uh, when I was working for the team there. It was an awesome, I didn't get paid a lick, but getting to go to the ballpark day in and day out sitting in the press box, writing stories. I tell you, that was the life. But you're right. People talk, people gossip. And you would hear all the time, you know, even like what the Rhinos, the soccer team, yeah. uh, what they were up to, their financial uh, misdoings and the way they were running their organizations. You know, people talk. A toxic culture is just that, toxic. But I think I want to give you a lot of credit for what you said, Jamie, for being a very astute with your comment that the, the Bills and Pagula did catch lightning in a bottle with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And that's why I hope more than anything else, they find a way to lock up their general manager to a long-term deal that matches McDermott's extension. Because those two, I have faith if those two are are with the team because they're lockstep with their vision for how they want to treat the organization. And moving forward, the Bills would have a bright future where I feel they could still overcome some of the ineptitude uh, that is being displayed by the ownership of the Sabres uh, they would keep that off and away from the Buffalo Bills uh, side of things. But if Bean doesn't come back or isn't given it, which there's no indications that he's not going to receive an extension, but if he somehow doesn't, that's another little bit of a, you know, the, 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 the wall is being torn down a little bit around this Bills franchise and how solid they've been if you don't have Bean coming back. I would think that Brandon Bean is going to stay, uh, or at least in the near future, he's going to receive an extension. But I think at this point, he probably has a lot of bargaining power because I can think of a lot of franchises that would jump at the chance to have this guy after what he's done over the past three seasons with the Bills. And the thing that concerns me the most is that the toxic culture that we've talked about eventually does creep into the football department. And those two guys, a couple of years down the road and say, hey, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I know that if I walk away from this job, I'm going to get hired by, you know, whatever team I want to go work for. And they'll probably go as they work so well together, that being Bean and McDermott, they'll probably go somewhere else as a package deal and start building from there. So, you know, I I hope that they can get it right. I've heard rumblings that there's, you know, that there's been some consultants brought in to try to figure out how to improve things. But there's one thing you can't get rid of. And that's the owner. 
the owner is going to be there no matter what. And here I live in Washington, D.C., and I've seen Dan Snyder bungle his way through every possible situation. The community can't stand the guy. Nobody wants him around. But guess what? He's not going anywhere. He's the owner. The only thing that could possibly happen is the other owners push him out. And, you know, there's potential for that right now with some of the sexual harassment situations that they've got going on with uh, with the franchise here in D.C. But that's not an issue in Buffalo. Thank God it's not. So, you know, it's on them to get it right, to figure it out. And I hope they do. And they probably will because they're not dumb people. Terry Pagula, again, he made himself a billion dollars. The guy knows something about business. Yeah, give him all the benefit of the doubt that he will be able to, you know, guide this. You know, if it is a rudderless ship, I think Pagula will be able to get it back on track. I sure hope he does. But you're right, Jamie. It, it's so rare when an owner does get forced out, like a Donald Sterling or a Marge Shot or a Jerry Richardson with the Carolina Panthers. These situations just don't happen all that often. And what happens with Washington makes me ever more grateful to be a fan of the Buffalo Bills because. It, at least on the field, man, this team is heading in the right direction. And again, if you want to give your feedback on any of the topics we've covered here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, you can do so by finding us on social media or commenting on the stories on buffalorumblings.com. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino. We'll be back next week getting you ready for week one of the 2020 NFL season. Hard to believe the season kicks off in earnest next Sunday. The Bills host the New York Jets, and we'll get you ready for game day on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.